And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about being engaged to duds, basketball playing buds, and cute leading man Paul Rudd. We're your hosts. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. Now, because it's February and Valentine's Day is fast approaching, we thought we'd get a little extra help in the romantic department this month and have on our favorite couples to help us answer the question, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? Joining us today are our friends and an extremely lovely couple. And if they were in a rom-com, they'd be a lovelorn TV producer and an opinionated TV talk show host who have two wildly different theories about what make men and women tick. And while they put each other through the ringer to prove their theories, they accidentally fall in love. <laughs> you guys, it's Rachel Van Ness and Garrett Palm. Oh my gosh, welcome. And Rachel and Garrett, speaking of who you'd be in a rom-com, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Hero or Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. And I'll start us off this week in keeping with my theme this month. I am channeling Lizzie Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, Eliza <laughs> Elizabeth Lizzie, because um, as you all know, uh, well, maybe I didn't talk about this last week. It just, I forget this every few years and then I remember that um, Jane Austen's works are just available always because of um, how old they are. So I just remembered that. And um, so I watched Sensibility. I listened to Emma. Now I am re-listening to Pride and Prejudice, which is amazing. And so good. It's amazing. It's so good. Constantly shocked by how resonant the themes are 200 years later. And I'm channeling Lizzie because um, Elizabeth Bennett, uh, she makes a lot of people upset and she just like does (laughs) not care at all. And um, I think I was telling Allie this week that I had this like instance where I was like, you know, if you knew me before 2019, you would say like making people mad is like a big fear of Mia's, right? You'd be like, Mia's like does really hate. Like I hate, I used to like really hate hate the thought that someone might be mad at me or like wait that would like make me feel like oh what do I do what do I do and um all of a sudden like this week I had the the instance where it's like oh there's a potential that someone was mad at me and I was like oh okay that's fine and I was like what is happening (laughs) where where we're powerful right that's freeing that's very freeing where it's like it's not like I don't care but it's just like it was like it was like this moment of like oh that would be fine that yeah I that would actually not really emotionally affect me of course I would not like it but it, I was not in the way where I used to sort of be like so mortified if someone was upset with me and now I'm like oh my god wait I might be entering into a more of like Elizabeth Bennett phase you're like Lady Catherine de Berg. <laughs> I don't care what she thinks I'm oh my god where it's like okay Miss Bingley okay Miss Hearst I doubt you have met a woman a accomplished based on your definitions and then she like leaves the room and they gaslight her and she doesn't even care she doesn't even care it's the first documented case of gaslighting and she does not care um and that's cool and that's sort of like um i'm entering a new phase i'm sure it's because of the year we've been through and also just aging um and i think it's really cool and i'm really enjoying it um so yeah that's awesome yeah i feel like you've hit your 30s 
a year or so early. <gasps> Thank you. That is like the biggest yeah. compliment uh, you could give a woman in LA in a, in a, in a, even a way, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's a huge compliment because I know exactly what you mean. And I agree with you. Um, Allie, who are you channeling? Oh, that's a great channel, Mia. Um, this week I'm channeling John Cusack's character, Jonathan from Serendipity, specifically the scene where he and Kate Beckinsale uh, walk into, I think it's the plaza, and they're like, <laughs> no, the Waldorf. And they like are like, mm-hmm. okay, we're each going to like take an elevator. And if we push, you know, the button, uh, if we like, you know, we're going to each pick a floor. And um, if we pick the same floor, then we know that we're meant to be together. And then they're like, cute, how romantic. They get in their elevators. John Cusack pushes a button, but <laughs> who's in the elevator with him? But a small child dressed as the devil who then <laughs> goes to push all of the buttons. And John Cusack's oh. like, no, <laughs> my chance at love. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of uh, channeling that specific kind of manic energy that he has in that moment, because this week I volunteered uh, to help distribute vaccines at magic mountain um and because i'm just a uh a public volunteer and not uh, a doctor or a nurse um or work in public health i was given the job to um watch people uh while uh, after they get the shot to make sure they don't have a bad reaction again probably not probably underqualified for even that job. Um, but they gave it to me. And so, um, uh, I volunteered on Valentine's day. So I was walking, um, up and down all of the rows of cars, making sure that no one, um, dies, uh, for anaphylactic (laughs) shock. Uh, and this guy, uh, an elderly man was like, you want some candy? It's Valentine's Day. And I was like, no, thank you, sir. I'm I'm busy working. I'm trying to save <laughs> lives here. And uh, but I kept walking past his car because I'd have to walk past everybody's car to, you know, check in on them. And he decided, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I like threw candy at her? <laughs> <laughs> and so every time I pass, he's like, You want some candy? No. Um, and so um yeah, you know, it, it, he was, you know, like the little devil boy in the elevator, well-intentioned, kind of like silly and fun. But, you know, his playfulness wasn't appreciated in that moment. Uh, what kind so, of candy was he throwing at you? Okay. Okay. So this is what made it okay. It was <laughs> Godiva chocolate. Whoa. Oh, okay. oh, my God. So did you yeah, pick yeah, it yeah, up yeah. and eat it then? Yes, I did, Garrett. I did. <laughs> I uh, think you were actually in a rom-com that just I failed know. to launch. <laughs> <laughs> that was my meet cue with that older gentleman was just oh like him God. throwing candy at me. And then we kind of like start off as enemies, but then we turn into <gasps> lovers. Yes, so in your life, you get a thousand meet cutes, but it only works if you accept the meet cute. So you just pass <laughs> up on one. Rachel, you're so right. Oh, <laughs> movie. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, that's who I'm channeling. Uh, uh, Rachel, who are you channeling this week? Yeah, so I'm channeling <laughs> Jimmy Fallon from Fever Pitch. Uh, for very two good, reasons. Very good. Yes, for two reasons. 
because uh, specifically the scene where Drew Barrymore gets sick and Jimmy Fallon takes care of her and he's very lovely and it's a very romantic <laughs> moment. And that's kind of like my fantasy, except I would be Drew Barrymore, except I've been Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> which means that like I've been in the caretaking role. Um, and I'm much more begrudging than Jimmy Fallon is. I'm like way more <laughs> because I'm sick. I've been sick. <laughs> I'm like way more mean to Garrett and I get like really frustrated. And I was thinking today, like if you were at work and I was doing all the same things, I wouldn't have been angry. Yeah. But it's the fact that Garrett was like here and sick. I just can't get my brain to accept that he's sick and not lazy. <laughs> <laughs> that old farmer mentality. I know. Oh my God. And so, you know, I, I get in that kind of mind fuck, but I, I know the right thing to do is to take care of Garrett. And when Garrett takes Thank me, you. he's very gracious and Thank lovely. You. you do get to be the Drew Barrymore. <laughs> we have roles and when they get switched it's difficult uh, yeah I'll, I'll end it there yeah um, I, I couldn't really think of I, I don't know too many rom-coms I love rom-coms but I haven't watched a lot but uh, mm -hmm. I was thinking Emily from the big sick that was the first yes. one I could think of who was sick <laughs> You're in the supermarket. Your ankle hurts. We're like, wait My a minute. My ankle hurts. I, I don't have anything life-threatening, I don't think. But, uh, excuse me. Yeah, listeners, you can't see, but uh, Garrett is in a full coma right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle that he's talking. It's, uh, I'm, my eyes are closed. I've hooked up to a bunch of tubes, and I'm, but somehow I'm still talking to everybody. But, uh, um, I don't buy your interview. Yeah. <laughs> still come okay. out of the fucking hospital. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like uh, I've been in my room, kind of out, uh, you know, out of uh, everything, not a part of anything, like out of the movie for a stretch. Just kind of <laughs> hanging out in my room, doing work, but just yeah, just like being in bed all day. Sitting on his fat ass on his phone. <laughs> that's the that's the judgment I get anytime you yeah, come Rachel's in. Like, you came in the my first soup. Act. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel made soup today, and it was very nice. It was potato broccoli that's... soup. It was very good. But when she oh. brought it in, she like slammed it down next to me. She was like, "Where do you want this?" And I, was, I started moving my coffee cup. She was like, "Good," it slammed it down right there. And, took the coffee cup and left. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, men with coffee, um, let's get into our movie discussion, shall we? That was yeah. such a good segue, man. Yes. Thank you, Queen of Segways. <laughs> yeah. Cup of Joel. Okay. So, you guys, uh, <laughs> this week we watched the 2014 satirical rom-com, They Came Together. In this film, Molly, played by Amy Poehler, owns a struggling independent candy store. And at a friend's Halloween party, she unknowingly gets set up on a date with Joel, played by Paul Rudd, the very corporate stooge whose candy superstore business is threatening to shut her little shop down. <laughs> However, the two begin an unlikely romance filled with all the classic rom-com tropes. All they of came them. 
all, all of that. The, the most tropes I've ever. Single one. Yes. Literally, my little hand was so tired from writing down tropes. I just stopped. It's, I just. It's stopped. all it is. It's all it right? is. Right. They came together. Was written by David Wayne and Michael Showalter, and also directed by David Wayne. So, was it any of our first time seeing it? And what do we think, Rachel and Garrett? Um, have you seen it before? What is your history with the film? So we've always wanted to watch it. It had been recommended multiple times. Yes, but we had never seen it, and so we just decided that this was a great excuse to pull the trigger on it. Yes. And I, my review, lots of flaws, but also <laughs> lots of fun. I, <laughs> I say watch it for Paul Rudd and the insane comedian cameos. It is a feast for the comedy nerd who just wants to see comedians playing bit roles and look like they're having a real good time. Yeah. <laughs> And also seeing Jason Manzukis be the straight man. Yeah. So weird. Wild. That was wild. Yeah. I I um I had tried to watch the movie a few years ago and I got as far as like the chimney sweep joke and I was like, no, thank you. Not for me. I don't like this. And so I was really I was like, when I was gonna watch this today, I was like, I'm not going to like this. I, I It's going to be mean and I, I'm, it's going to be boring. I'm not going to like it. I don't know if it's like what mood I'm in. I, I really liked it. I was able to en- enjoy it, enjoy the references and sort of feel that like it wasn't a critique of rom-coms, but a celebration of a, of a genre we love. But, you know, it's um, I understand um, if you if it's it's you know, it's, it's you got to be in the right mood, um, I think. So that's me, Allie. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I, I have seen this before and like Mia, I couldn't get through it the first time I watched it. And then I struggled to get through it this time as well. I took like a big break halfway through where I was like, I need a little break. And then I cleaned my entire apartment. <laughs> yeah. And then I came I back and I'm like, I praise it. Um, a movie that's good to clean your apartment to. Um, and then so, and then I watched the second half, and um, you know, I think I struggled both times because I didn't care about any of the characters. There was no heart in this this movie. Just if this movie was a human body, it would be just a big funny bone. With no beating heart to push blood through it. Um, And I know, I know that it was a satire, but you know, um, I I think that the best satires, in my opinion, um, have something to say about the genre. And a lot of this was just like spouting off like rom-com tropes and not like always even commenting on them it was just like here are all the rom-com tropes and it's like well let's maybe say something about them like i remember like rom-com trope that we don't love that was in this movie was like the supportive black best friend who's like Mm -hmm. one-dimensional and it's like they could have said something in that moment they could have like commented about how this trope was problematic and they just kind of were like here's the trope and i was like well no i I, that bothered me yeah no i agree i i felt that and i felt um it felt familiar too in that um another recent rom-com satire isn't it romantic they they in the (gasps) top they call out that rom-coms lack diversity and then they just continue to have a majority white cast for the whole film yeah. 
Yeah, it was. I was like shocked because I was like, "Well, yeah. they called it out, which is nice." But then the rom com is it, nothing about it. Then they didn't <laughs> do anything the, about it. I was like, "That was okay. wild." So yeah, I would say yeah. that's definitely like an issue with rom com satire. It's like address segregation in the genre and the black best friend trope. One hundred percent. That's an issue that was not handled super well. Yeah, in this that's film, a I technique agree. they use a lot in Big Bang Theory is they'll kind of like point out that something is wrong and then do it anyway. But think you've kind of like absolved yeah. yourself because you've mentioned that you're conscious that it exists, and which I, it's like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. And I feel like early 2000s comedy was a lot of that. Like when I would go to UCB and like New York, it was like that. It was like pointing out this is bad, but then still doing it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and here's an example of a movie that I think does a good job, you know, being a satire, but then also pointing out, you know, the flaws of the genre. And you guys know I'm going to say it. It's Shrek. Shrek is a good <laughs> satire. It, like, it is. Um, because they point out the flaws with um, typical Disney princess movies. Um, you have kind of like the passive uh, Princess Fiona asleep in the tower. But then what do you find out? Oh, she's actually a badass who is a oh, better fighter than Shrek is. <laughs> and then you also find out, oh, ogres, you know, deserve happy endings too. Not just, you know, perfect princes and princesses. Shrek, uh, I give it two thumbs up. Oh, watch it. <laughs> no one's arguing against you, Ellie. <laughs> I know you guys all hate Shrek. You guys, okay, listeners, you can't see this, but everyone's wearing an I hate Shrek shirt right now. And I... Ironically, ironically. <laughs> Nobody can earnestly hate Shrek. <laughs> I agree that it did feel like a commentary or a point of view on the genre was maybe what was lacking from the film. What I appreciated was sort of like the absurd tangents of the film. Yeah. Like to start, start it off. I like one, like when I was still like when I, when I watched this, obviously I couldn't get there the first time. So I was not looking forward to watching it. And then when I sat down <laughs> to watch it, I'm here with my arms crossed being like, okay, you're going after you got mail. Okay. I get it. And then all of a sudden I see them both walking down the street in the Benjamin Franklin costume. <laughs> I was just like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> like, I'm begrudgingly like, okay, that's really funny to see Amy Poehler also in a Benjamin Franklin yeah. costume. And like going off of that, when they finally get to the party and you see Manzukis and his wife, like having this subtitled conversation yes. with their eyes, like that was kind of a fun Woody Allen moment that I didn't mind. Yes. <laughs> like a takeaway from Annie Hall. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, there are these like very fun references. And I know um, a scene that I was like, oh, like this, this is like um, maybe like ahead of its time. And just in that, like it reminded me a lot of like the Netflix sketch show. I think you should leave is when um, uh, Paul Rudd's boss, uh, but like Chris in his costume. Chris, Chris pretends he's Chris. like has to deny that he pooped what's in his, his costume. What's that actor's name? Chris Maloney. Okay, well, I, I thought it was Rob Riggle, but apparently it's yeah. not. No. Chris Maloney is that is that who it is? Not Rob Riggle. Yeah, the I guy don't. from Law and Order. Oh my God, is that who it is? Yes, which is oh. why it's even more exciting that it's yeah. him. That's crazy that this group Law and of people Order special cast... victims unit. Oh my God, and that's wild. 
He steals the show. He's great. He in does it. a really he, good job. There's a scene where he um, poops in his costume and leaves it in the bathroom, and Keenan Thompson <laughs> calls him out, and he just vehemently denies it, and then like demands to know who pooped in this trying to frame him. And I was like, I was like, that's very funny. That reminds me of like that's very now. I liked that. <laughs> It does feel like a Tim Robinson character, 100%. And like the fact that they give him so much screen time and so much space to have that wonderful moment. I think I will argue that's something you wouldn't get to see in a normal rom-com. So that's maybe one area where we do benefit from a comedian's joke machine movie. Yes. Well, what's funny is like the... The best jokes of the movie are the ones that are like have nothing to do with rom-coms. <laughs> like Yeah. The, when they're like trying to like make fun of rom-coms, for some reason the jokes kind of fall flat. I don't know if it's just like that rom-coms are just like such easy targets or like we all know what jokes they're going to make. But like the best jokes were the ones that, you know had nothing to do with the making fun of rom-coms in the satire. Yeah, I really love like the, the, the naked gun, weird, absurd stuff and could have done less with the meta. Like mm-hmm. there were just yes. moments like where they yes. were saying what their character, who their character was in a rom-com. Like that just felt like very flat jokes with no take, but uh, like the pull up the ass Oh my god! Waiter, <laughs> stuff like that was perfect. It was, it was such a, it was such a nice joke. I like my favorite part of it is is uh, he's like, wow, that guy is like such a pull up his ass, and then and then like a beat happens, and we see there is a pull up his ass, and then Amy <laughs> pulls like very pull. in a very like direct like grounded line reading goes like what's up joel he does <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> really funny it's just like it's really good um yeah i agree i think before we were recording rachel you said that like um this this movie is like basically just like one long sketch or like and that mm-hmm. like um that like sketches are there's a reason they're like four to five minutes and i like, ag- <laughs> i agree with that but i really appreciate those sketchy moments and those like absurdist moments it's interesting with this movie, though, that like the rules of like what make a good uh, improv set also apply because like meta improv yes. sets never go well. They're never fun 100%. for anybody. Like people crave just like sincerity and earnest. We don't need like cynical, ironic calling out. And so it's like it's almost surprising that they didn't Dude. see this coming. Yeah. Rachel, yeah, so right. That's such a good observation because you know what? Okay, I 100% agree. Right? If you ever ever live improv show and people go meta, it's just it doesn't work. It's it's very uncomfortable. Another thing that I feel like never works in improv and didn't work in this movie is when people take off their face mask and are a different person, and when um when that Colby Smothers takes off her mask and is Judge Judy, I was like, no. I was like, I that was, was funny. So that was funny. I didn't like I, that. I, I thought that was kind of funny. It was Everybody so liked that, but me. No, <laughs> yeah, I was so taken unaware by it that it it did get me where I was like, yeah. I can't believe they got Judge Judy to be yeah, in this no. movie. How do you get Judge Judy? She's so busy. <laughs> I know. True. Yeah, she's an everyday show. Okay, fine. I but I you know I don't like it in improv. I didn't like it in this film and that. That's what I'll say. Uh, Just to um, just to circle back to um, Rachel's comment about 
um, like meta jokes being kind of like not funny and I in hollow is kind of like they have a sort of attitude to be like, look how smart we are. Like mm-hmm. we like this is yeah. something like like it's kind of like intellectual humor. And like I from a you know comedy standpoint, like I love emotional humor, like humor that comes from like a emotionally driven place. And uh, and I and I think that's why, you know, uh, Amy Poehler's sincere reaction to the pull up his butt and how dangerous it is <laughs> is so funny. <laughs> and, and, and and just speaking about like. Because I honestly think like this movie was funny. But I've seen rom-coms that are funnier than this parody of a rom-com and so it's kind of like i sort of wish that they would have just made a rom-com with paul rudd and amy poehler and just made a really really funny rom-com because they obviously understand the structure of a rom-com i will say uh circling back to what ali was saying about like the funniest parts are the parts that aren't even rom-coms there was like kind of a meta joke i did enjoy which was (gasps) what was it well it, it's really small. It's when the guy from New Girl is, uh, he's um, Paul Rudd's little brother. I love that he always calls Paul Rudd big brother. There's something just like <laughs> their relationship. I like felt like there was sexual tension there, but there wasn't. And I think that just comes from like seeing a brother relationship where the little brother just loves the older brother so much yeah kind of uncomfortable but i love that he was always just like big brother (laughs) i enjoyed (laughs) another meta thing that was a mix uh, was uh uh, the fiction books Uh, oh yes yes yeah that's like that a rom because there's truth behind it that's like it's relatable yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. I remember one time being in love and like having this moment that I knew was stupid, but where we were both like, stretching is so important. <laughs> like, so we're, not, like, we're like, stretching is so important. <laughs> like, that's that's beautiful. True. And I think that's like what happens when you fall in love. It's like, yes. You're just, you're just you like, will. it's like not about what you're saying, it's just that you're connecting. And so anything that you're connecting yes. on feels significant. Yes. yes. You will I'm, just desperately look for any sign. That yeah. you two should be yeah. together, even if it's exactly. both like that you both have like a car that's the same color. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Wait, wait, you like fiction books? I've never I've met been, anyone that liked fiction books. That's so good. I've been DMing. I DM'd somebody today, this um, <gasps> uh, guy that I have a crush on. I DM'd him all day and all we talked about was how much we like dogs. Guys, everybody That's likes enough. dogs. I everybody know. likes dogs. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing stupid but if he didn't boy it would be oh, over no. actually you would just find another reason to be in love <laughs> yeah, yeah we both next topic love going outside <laughs> it's so <laughs> great to go outside we both love french fries it's crazy it's crazy. crazy we love french fries <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think you're right that this movie really shines in it's like if it's not going to deliver on sentimentality or being genuine or sincere, then it does shine when it is going absurd, which is like 
Yes. Like in the um, Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd makeout scene. I love like when he's consciously throwing the base <laughs> to break it. I also loved at the end that there is a sword fight from yes. an escaped <laughs> convict out of nowhere. I thought that was very unexpected oh, and fun. Yeah. I was so confused. And then he gets shot in the head. Oh, my God. <laughs> that part was crazy. Yeah. That um, was insane. <laughs> There's a rom-com where that happens. Um, really? What? Let me look it up. Yes, I've seen it twice. Oh, oh it's, it's referencing right. an actual rom-com. It's Safe Haven. It's Safe Haven. <gasps> oh, with, it's this oh, rom-com with with Michelle. Yeah, she has like she has like a con uh, a a boyfriend who's a convict, and then she goes to this little seaside town, and she like meets a bunch of people, and she meets a new guy, and then on the Fourth of July. Just when everything's going really great, her ex-convict comes and tries. There's no sword fighting, but there's a lot of fighting and fireworks, and he ends up getting shot in the head. Oh, my my God. That is crazy. Well, I think Parasite pulled from this movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, and I I will say I did enjoy – I first I didn't like it, but by the end I really did enjoy, like, the specific dips we took into specific rom-coms. Like, up top, they're clearly – uh, mapping uh, Parker Posey's character from You've Got Mail, Patricia. Yes. Uh, is that who Colby Smothers is playing? Um, and then there's this weird moment where it's, I hate incest jokes, but where Paul Rudd goes to see his bubby. But that's yes. from this really, like, like I would say, like, fairly off the beaten path rom com called Crossing Delancey, where, it, and like, there's like a guy selling pickles out front, and then he goes to see his bubby. And it's just like, I, I did appreciate those little moments of like, oh, there's Crossing Delancey. Oh, there's, we're now we're doing Jerry Maguire. There was like a little fun. I was like a little yeah. annoyed, but I also found it fun. It's really cool to hear you guys talk about this because I haven't seen a lot of rom-coms and I'm like, oh, ah. this is just kind of like a word search for rom-coms in a movie. Yeah. And uh, there yeah. were a lot that after I, uh, while watching it, like I, look, I grew up watching a lot of Woody Allen. That was mm-hmm. what my family watched before uh, he was canceled. But that Absolutely. was a lot of what I thought they were referencing. But then when I looked up, oh, it's like, uh, um, You've got mail or other ones set in New York, like the New York yeah. being another character. I thought that was like taken straight from like Manhattan. Oh, yeah. That's like one yeah. of the biggest tropes. Is that like all like most of rom-coms are set in New York. New York's a character. Yes. I did mm-hmm. appreciate how explicit <laughs> they were about that up top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of... Um, before we, well, we've, we're talking about a lot of the tropes and like, obviously that's, you know, definitely one of this movies, like strong suits is how many tropes it has. But before we start counting tropes, do we have any final thoughts on, uh, this movie? Uh, we didn't talk about Paul Rudd that much, but I will say (gasps) he's so charming and he's pretty undeniable in this film. I would have Oh, and at the end, when he ends up with his cup of jewel and that very quickly goes out of business, I love that. I mean, I always love when Paul Rudd is in an absurd comedy because you get to see him do weird stuff like shove a glass of wine into his mouth right before the camera, right before they edit away from him. Yes. You know, just like doing weird stuff. Yeah. He's so funny. And I think that is almost like a flaw in the film is that he like elevates, like he elevates whatever he's in. Like I was just watching Avengers Endgame again, which I originally saw with Garrett in theaters, but I was watching it last week and he was in it. And I was like, he 
is so good in this movie. Yeah. And he is like a very, he's like kind of like a Tom Hanks figure almost um, in terms of like um, attractiveness and like acting skills and like uh, comedic timing, I think. Like general likability. I think he's right. uh, I think he's different than Tom Hanks. I do think he has a lot of range, but I think it's just because I think he's so much more attractive than Tom Hanks. Like oh, wow. Tom he's Hanks, is, I'm Tom sorry, Hanks. his eyes don't sparkle like Paul Rudd's do. Don't I think, tell Rachel Chapman. I think there's an undeniable sparkle that Paul <laughs> Rudd has, but Tom Hanks does not. And that's okay because if Tom Hanks sparkled too hard, like movies like Forrest Gump wouldn't really work or Castaway wouldn't work. But like Paul Rudd is just like, how can you not watch anything he's in and immediately just be like, what if once in my life I got to have dinner with Paul Rudd? (laughs) You're right that Paul Rudd twinkles, but like (laughs) Tom Hanks, like, buzzes you know he's just kind of like like a a slow hum yeah i'm not saying that like one setting on your vibrator is better than another (laughs) 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 i think they both serve different functions (laughs) that's a very diplomatic take on um on tom hanks paul rada and vibrators Okay, so shall we? I mean, we have talked about our sweet, sweet boy, our sweet twinkly boy, uh, Paul Rudd. Shall we start counting the tropes of this rom com? Yes, there I am going to take a lot. Yeah, so we this is take all night. <laughs> um, um, so we have uh, voiceover. Both uh, Joel and Molly's character has voiceover. We have. Uh, uh, what's this actress's name? Colby Smothers. Smothers. Yes. Smolders. <laughs> Is that her oh! last name? Is it Am I Smolders? saying it wrong? I think it's Smolders. 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 <laughs> Colby Smolders. My, my new like absolute like uh like embedded quality recently is saying actors' names wrong confidently. <laughs> Being like Josh Duhamel, Colby Smothers. <laughs> we Colby. still don't know how to. We still don't know Josh Duhamel's last name. Yeah. We still don't know we how got, to say it. We gotta calling, look it up. Calling Chris Mahone like Rob Riggle. <laughs> All right, oh, sorry, God. Colby Smothers. So, um, we have the workaholic girlfriend who has something cold about her. We have exactly. the sheet. The sheet dress. Oh my God. One of our favorite tropes <gasps> where we love you wake up the dress. next morning and a woman just wears a uh, sheet yeah. like it's a dress. Um, no, a woman we... would pull a sheet off a bed. That is awful to do. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> weird. Um, we have this trope, which you can see and you've got mail, which is um, our two leads are always just missing each other on the oh, street. I love that. I love um, that. We have New York is the most magical place on earth um, absolutely and here's just a little fun fact sidebar but for the promotional materials for they came together um they actually had new york city listed as like a star you know how it's like has like starring amy poehler that's so, paul that's rudd funny. she they is then a star had new york city <laughs> she that's, finally like got that. the attention she deserves yes <laughs> new york city deserves it she's an a-lister i mean um, yeah 
I have aerial shots of Manhattan skyline. Absolutely. I have trope of klutzy woman. Um, mm-hmm. We have the two characters telling a story about how they met. And I feel like that's kind of a nod to definitely maybe in 500 Absolutely. days of summer. 100%. Um, we have uh, the handsome but not too handsome man played by Paul Rudd. I'm just going to pause for a second and say like, it's so easy to list these tropes because they literally said these out yeah. loud during the movie. Yeah. She has a quirky job. Uh, Amy Poehler's mm-hmm. character has a quirky job. Um, she has a quirky job where she donates all of her candy. She's not making any <laughs> money yet. She's able to have a huge brownstone apartment in New York. Um, uh, Jason Manzukis uh, is the best friend, co-worker who's obsessed with Paul Rudd's love life. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd has commitment issues. Yeah, um, this is just a sidebar. Randall Park only got one line. I know. Oh. I wanted you more from him. You gotta give Randall Park more space. Come on, I, I love him. Was it um, only one line? I thought he got a, a couple. He lines. got two. He got okay. technically he had two lines, but his second line was one word. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Talk about people who have a twinkliness to them. He has a twinkliness to him. I know he does. Uh, And then I have um, job enemies where this is just from You've Got Mail, but it's like, oh, our two leads are like in different jobs that are like competing against each other. You actually see that a lot in Hallmark movies more than... I was just going to say. Yeah. That's like a typical thing in Hallmark movies is always like, I work for a big toy store in New York City and I'm going to this small town where they make this like one very specific toy where we're going to get them out of business. I love Hallmark movies. Um, (laughs) Man, okay, I'm going to say like five more and then I'm going to tag team you, Mia. Okay, Okay, that's great. I'll tag in, yeah. We talked about this earlier, but uh, this movie has the trope of the one-dimensional black best friend. Yeah. And they exemplified the trope. I mean, they, they like did the trope and they didn't like do anything about it or like point it out or try to make up for it. Um, which yeah. is what they could have done. Uh, our couple is white and straight. Um, yeah, I got that. I got that. We have guys talking about girls over sports. Um, yes. And they broke it down even further where it was like, I'm your friend who has a wife and I'm happy about that. And I'm the guy who likes to hook up a lot. <laughs> okay that those are i'm i'm exhausted that was so many <laughs> tropes you take over right. for me i need right. a break yeah. ali's gonna take a water break all right we have a nod look, to the look. other brother we have a nod to the other brother it doesn't actually come true but we still reference it which is that when ed helms during his sort of like storyline his wife leaves him and he's like you'd have to ask my brother who is david wayne it doesn't turn out to be true they like reverse the trope but they still reference it um good on paper guy is egbert played by ed helms he is the accountant who likes nonfiction. um so <laughs> That's something good on paper guy. Uh, we've got a meet cute where they both show up to the same party at the same time, dressed as Benjamin Franklin. Uh, we're enemies to lovers. We start off as enemies. We end up as lovers. They say the name of the rom-com in the film when the lovely Melanie something, whose name I don't remember, says, oh, they came together, which also makes me like the title of the film more because I didn't understand the title and I didn't like it. And then she said that and I was like, oh, that's actually cute. So in rom-coms, they say the name of the rom-com a lot in the movie. So there you go. I wrote down 
box shop with two exclamation points. What does this mean? <laughs> um, I have no what idea. You were excited about it. Box shop. <laughs> <laughs> B O oh bookshop bookshop uh, I I pitched this back when we did it when Harry met Sally I think that often there's a bookshop scene where we're at mm-hmm. a bookshop in rom coms so yeah ten things I, I hate about you yes yes when Harry met Sally this when one Harry I met think Sally the, I think the leads like meet up in a bookshop often um this is the dead parent trope but in this case is the dead grandparent trope where she's like my grandma died and her name was arlene franklin may i help you pick out a book so they you know they give some some depth something to connect on um a near kiss in the bookshop we almost kiss but then we don't um, Paul Rudd has a quirky career hope. We see this in how Stella got her groove back. We see this in forgetting Sarah Marshall, where our leads have a quirky thing they've always wanted to do and yet haven't done it. But love will be the thing that allows them to do it. Um, oh, yeah. The place they would go. We see this in um, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, movies where there's like an aforementioned place where they know to find their love. So obviously they hit that one real hard. Fate. We reference fate. That's a trope. Um, A makeover montage where we try on all the different outfits. Um, We said this. She has a huge ass apartment. So does he. Um, Cut to the next morning after sex. But this was a very funny take on the trope where they cut to the next morning, but then led us to believe they had just been like smooching the whole time, which I thought was a funny, um, a funny like grounding of that trope. Um, Good times montage. We're cooking pasta. You know, it's like when we're dating and we just do a montage where we are just to assume that's when they like, you know, it's a good times and they're getting close. Um, The holidays happen in a rom-com. They hit this one very specifically as well. Um, A big speech. Paul Rudd makes a big speech at the Candy Corporation about why they shouldn't destroy her small company. There's a crosstown chase. He's got to get across town because she's getting married in 20 minutes. And it ends with two weddings. All right, Allie, back to you. Oh, I have more. Oh, my God. Okay, so I have Ketch's girlfriend cheating on you. That happens in Love Actually and in Sliding Doors. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the perfect older sibling. Paul Rudd plays the perfect older sibling and his younger sibling um, is like has a bacon boot company where he makes edible (laughs) boots out of bacon. Um, I have a toss in the drink in the face. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. I forgot about that. I have this is like, man, this is in every Hallmark movie that has ever been made. But it is one character overhears another character saying something <gasps> bad about them, but they've only hear part of it. And it's a misunderstanding where it's yes. like, yeah, she's funny and great and smart and stuff. But like, man. Her and her candy shop, and they only hear the last bit um, without the qualifying information, and they misunderstand. Um, overprotective sister that's like a mom. Um, yes. That's like in Jerry Maguire. I feel like that character was ripped exactly from Jerry Maguire. Exactly. Also, single kid or like single mom's kid loves new guy. That's definitely yeah. Jerry Maguire and definitely maybe. Um Knocking over everything when you're making out. Um, there's a really yes. good makeout session called This Means War where they do that. 
where it's Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pine. Definitely recommend looking that up on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I have meeting in-laws who test you. Um, oh, this God. is like yeah, monster in law. That was so cringy. Oh, that was so wild. cringy. That white supremacy joke was such uh, yeah. a specific take they chose to take there, <laughs> and they could have just cut it out. They didn't they need it in the, just not been in the movie. Yeah, that was wild. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, and this movie on IMDb was tagged with the racism tag, <gasps> and I wonder if it was because of that scene interesting i yeah i, I yeah bet. that would make sense yeah we know how it was to like it was them. a very yeah it was a very like light touch on white supremacy that was like yes yeah if you're, if you're gonna address it perhaps a stronger critique would be good <laughs> yeah yes 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 oh man mia i have so many more this is oh god <laughs> oh my okay god, really? this is gonna be like yeah right. this is gonna be like three oh. I, I, I'm just let me i'm just gonna really quick i have um uh, that the movie stars take part in uh, a song on the album. So they have that scene oh, where they're singing right. a song with John Stamos and in, in Dirty Dancing, oh, um, yeah. there's a song that uh, Patrick Swayze sang that's in the movie um, that yeah. happens a lot, I think. Um, right. I have... Oh, yeah. oh my God, yeah. Uh, Mannequin has an original song. Dirty Mannequin. Dancing has an original yeah, yeah, yeah. song. I have... Um, Practice what you're going to say before you say it. Um, yeah. I mean, the well, I think about Pride and Prejudice. They have that scene that was definitely not in the book. But Joe Wright <laughs> put it in the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice where Bingley's like, oh, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to say to her, um, okay, what – I have – did you say the end even fake out, Mia? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. There's an ending fake out where he like runs and he catches her and then she's like – I'm moving to another city. And she has like a suitcase. <laughs> Wait, that um, was super, I forgot. That's very funny that they tacked that on. <laughs> you see that in uh, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And then I have Woman Helps Man Realize His Dreams. Yeah. Of the coffee shop. A, the coffee shop. Is that true? Is that a trope? Yeah. yeah it's an, it's an um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Kind of indirectly in 500 Days of Summer. Yes. 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 And then I have X comes back and admits they were wrong and asked to be taken back. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That happens again in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where Sarah Marshall comes back. Spoilers, guys. (laughs) And that's it. Okay. Now I'm done. I'm done now. I think that's (laughs) it. Oh, my gosh. Garrett, Garrett and Rachel, do you have any that we missed? I've got a few, but I don't know if they're more references than tropes. I don't know. You... I don't know Let's if there's a big difference, but okay. Uh, there's the scene in the coffee shop where they're they're like uh, watching people walk by and and like saying what they what they think they're saying. That's like straight out of of uh, uh, Annie Hall. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, oh, I just want to give a quick. I just want to give a quick shout out also to like after that scene of the gay couple approvingly watching them for like an absurd amount of time. Yes. (laughs) I I loved it. Yeah, I did like that joke. I I enjoyed that a lot. There was Amy Poehler's absurdly long and complicated order, which was from when (gasps) Harry met Sally. Yes, absolutely. Uh, There was the... uh, the talking without talking and having the uh, subtitles that was also from Annie Hall. Yes, absolutely. 
Oh, there was the I'll have what she's having line. Didn't they yes. say that line they, in the yes. movie? They yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we're all eating the same meal. What yeah. are you saying? <laughs> Everybody also, got pasta and lentils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I think like the moment when the like bad coworker gets fired at the end. Yeah. Maybe it's like yes. people getting their just desserts, which was also a fun moment of like, don't fire me. And he's like, Oh man, I can't do the joke setup right. Anyway, you gotta watch it. I remember uh, <laughs> uh, where they were playing um, charades. That was uh, <gasps> right. Yes, you're yeah. right. Harry met Sally. When Harry met, when H- Harry met Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, you guys. How many that tropes? Takes up Fifty-six. Oh, is that a record? Oh, by far. Can we come up the most tropes we've ever had? 44 more. No. (laughs) It is double the amount, I think, of the most tropes we've ever had, basically. Like the most we've ever had is like 30. So, so at least yeah. we like, were the best at something, even if it's it's right? not going to make your top five. <laughs> wow. We completed the assignment <laughs> with none of the heart. That's a great. That's a great transition, Rachel. Um, now it's time to rate this rom com. Um, we here at PSA Love Rom Coms have an ever changing list of top five rom coms. As of now, our top five rom coms are The Best Man, When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Princess Bride, and My Big Fat Greek wedding so now if we so choose today we can put they came together on that list but we all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of the other top five to replace it with do we think they came together deserves a spot in the top five and if so who should it knock off Um, do it you cowards (laughs) (laughs) Rachel's not even doing an argument she's just going full bully she's like I'm just gonna bully this on (laughs) yes do i have that power am i enough of an elizabeth bennett to push it into the top five i'm glad Um, my big fat greek wedding is still on there because i heard the episode where nina tried to take it off and i was not happy people are always trying to take it off everybody always trying to get rid of it it's so good it's so good Thank you for saying something, yes. Garrett. It's good because uh, me and I are starting to so, think we're crazy. We're like, no. are yeah, you crazy? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, are we living in a different reality from everybody else? Where we think this also, is a phenomenal like, film, a rom com that actually touches on family and culture. What's not sexy about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Greek, and um, it touched on a lot of stuff from my childhood. Oh, the Greek, the Greek tropes that Garrett could yes. list off for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. So I guess it sounds. I mean, yeah. I don't want to speak for yeah. everybody. Yeah. No, I don't think it no, gonna... you can. It's a no. It's a no all around. It's right? a no. <laughs> but we would like to be it's considered. So for your most uh most comedians in a rom-com yes. and most rom-com <laughs> tropes in a movie yes. yes yes that is it will go on those lists for sure mm-hmm. yeah 100 100 allowed <laughs> now wow. usually so our show 
At this point in our show, usually we would do a little reality check, but for the month of February, we're shaking things up and asking our couple friends about their real life meet cutes, grand gestures, and rom-com moments. So Rachel and Garrett, how did you guys meet? And was it cute? <laughs> oh my God, Rachel's going to roast me. It's humiliating how we met because, because it's so rom-com-y. And yeah. And Rachel, uh, yes. r- r- this movie was good for Rachel because she's... <laughs> She doesn't exactly embrace the romantic, like, I don't know. Yeah, it was like, if we're setting up the rom-com, it would be like, love cynic who can't talk about love without blushing. And like, (gasps) is kind of like a middle school girl in that she's like, you're stupid to tell you that she likes you. Was me. (laughs) And she had to embrace going for it. Um, Oh, okay. I don't know where to start. Uh, okay. Well, we're at the same comedy theater in Portland. I had just moved home and I had just graduated college. (laughs) And uh, I was older. Garrett's 12 years (laughs) older than me. Yes, I am 12 years older. That's why that's why Rachel had to make the first move. I was adamant. I was not, I was not going to do anything. Okay, so for me, I'm a serial monogamist. I would typically not be very good at telling boys no if they liked me. And so I would date them, but always be the person who like wanted to be in the relationship the least. Um, <laughs> so with Garrett, I actually had to try. Um, and so with Garrett, what I initially really appreciated about him, other than that he was like very funny and nice, was like, he would talk to people who are classically like very difficult and boring to talk to and would give them <laughs> the time of day. And I can't do that. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like I just cast myself as a villain this whole time. <laughs> but like, I, I would stand there, but I would very kind of like zone out. But Garrett was very good at like actually listening to them and giving them the time of day. And then also our comedy theater was a little toxic. And no one would talk to me. And so Garrett actually would talk to me in the green room. And so I was like, he's, he's a nice guy. Um, And uh, yeah, I had just, just moved back home to Portland. Uh, I'd left New York city. I'd been traveling uh, for a year and I was broke and living in my parents' basement at uh, too old of an age. Um, no job. No job. Um, <laughs> I had start. Uh, I was starting. I I was uh, paying for gas to the improv theater by teaching improv classes, <gasps> and to both at the theater to adults and to kids around town. Um. Yeah. I, uh. Yeah. I was a catch. Yeah. I was a total catch. Yeah, I always tell Garrett he's lucky I was 22 because if I was this age, there's no way I would have gone for that. <laughs> um, we, she started, uh, what was it? How did it start? We, we would like send, oh, send voice messages of raps. It's humiliating. Yeah, oh we God. would send short <gasps> raps oh my gosh, to each wait. other. What? Wait, with that, that app where it's like a we little would, beat and then you can like, I use that. Is it like I an app that. that you used? I tried using the app once, but it was too hard for me. We just sent them via Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, we eventually moved to Snapchat. Aww. and We're sending like video wraps 
to each other. So Rachel was already working very hard at this point, And Garrett was like, I'm too old. So no, sorry. Um. But there was one moment, and this feels very like stupid movie, but I was driving home from a show after, and then the at post show of hanging out with Rachel and the other cast at the bar. I was driving home. And as I was like turning up to on the street, onto my parents' street, I like, like was so pent up and I yelled out loud to no one in my car, I fucking love Rachel. <gasps> it's so, it was so I know. It's so angsty for yes, a 34 year old. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. But still, I was like, but. It uh, no, that that can't happen. And it gets worse. So then I was like, <laughs> oh okay, God. I'm gonna like make Garrett essentially like go on a date with me. So I asked Garrett if he wanted to go on a hike with me. Except I was like, I'm gonna go on a hike. Like I just wanted to get out of town. Like our friends Patrick and Zach don't want to go. I'll just go by myself. <laughs> Nobody comes. You can come if you want. <laughs> Garrett was like, okay, I'll go. And so. And Patrick and Zach, I should have known, would never hike. Yeah, they don't hike. So <laughs> it was all a ruse. So a lie. then we went on the hike and uh, I said it was a six mile hike and it was a 12 mile hike. Um, oh, my oh my God. And I know. Uh, well, because it was six miles in, six miles back. <gasps> oh, God. And also during this, I was sort of dating. I was seeing, uh, mm. I saw, uh, yeah, uh, but I, uh, so I had just kind of broken up with somebody uh, because I was like, I can't date this person if I'm uh, like, have feelings. If you're for yelling Rachel. in your car, I love yeah. Rachel. Yes. yes. Um, but I was supposed to go with her to a show that night, but like we couldn't because six miles That's in, sabotage. there was no, and I couldn't even text to say I wouldn't show up. Oh my God. So, yeah. So it's like raining and our faces got really close several times. Yes. And like she so puts her close. face right next to my face. If you and that. during raps about tardigrades. That you love to talk about the rapping part and it is so yes. embarrassing. I know. It is very embarrassing. But that's <laughs> I hate that you bring it up. We rapped about tardigrades. Which is probably the whitest. We did improv in Portland, okay? We were the type. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, several times our faces were very close. No kiss, no kiss, no kiss. Near kiss. The near, near kiss, kiss, near kiss, kiss near, near kiss. kiss. There was so many near kisses. So then we drove, we finished the hike, and then we drove uh, to a place called... Miniman's the Edgefield. Uh, Edgefield. <gasps> And oh my god, it's, we, I love that's so romantic. It's such a romantic locale. Yes. And it was. We sat in front of a pot fire. We had hot chocolate and pizza. An old couple was like, <gasps> You guys are a lovely couple. Still no <gasps> kiss. <laughs> so then we drove back to my apartment, and Garrett was just gonna leave. And so, and I had been working my ass off to make this kiss happen. <laughs> And so we did this awkward like hand boop thing that was like oh. goodbye. It's oh. so cringy. No. And then I was just like, 
Garrett, like, this is super awkward, but is it okay if I kiss you? <laughs> and then we oh, finally it's go. So great. Uh, <laughs> it, boy. It was exhausting. Talk about bringing a woman <laughs> to her knees. <laughs> I really wooed That's- her. Yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet though. I mean like I, and also you were asking for consent and that's also very sweet and lovely. Mhm. Yeah. And you guys uh, you defy gender roles. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Uh-huh. We did it. And then we kept it secret. We were a secret oh, relationship. So, just so for, like steamy for like a month. Uh, maybe, maybe not even. Until Our, we were Pat- caught. Patrick and Zach spotted us right away. So they come back into the story. <laughs> yeah. They were driving by our car as we were making out on the car. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Friends obsessed with love life. We got that. Wow. Check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. That's okay. Our well, so you guys obviously story. have an you have an incredible meet cute full of uh, quite a few little rom com tropes. Have you guys ever had or performed any grand gestures for each other in your relationship that you that are particularly memorable? I don't feel like grand gestures are our style. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I, I used to be more grand gestury um, when I was younger. Yeah. But I don't know if we... Yeah, Garrett yeah. like watercolored a book of poetry he wrote for a girl at one point. Uh, yeah, <gasps> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was post college. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I would say though, I think we do really thrive in the small stuff because, yeah. like, I don't yeah. know, like when I kind of like a grand gesture moment, I think would be like when I kind of discovered I was bisexual this summer and I was like freaking out about it and like, wasn't sure how we were going to navigate it or if that like meant the end of our relationship, I was catastrophizing. But then like when I told Garrett or you, (laughs) uh, you were like, you were just like very supportive and we're immediately like, I wouldn't want to date somebody who doesn't live in examine life. And we're like still down to be like, a part of that journey and I feel like that's like a pretty significant grand gesture even if it's not necessarily like really flashy but I feel like yeah. that's something that's very like classic Garrett to do <laughs> that's incredible that's, that's beautiful. so that's beautiful awesome. oh I love that I love that. And that's what we're finding. Is that- <laughs> I'm not crying. I swear I'm not crying. Oh, my God. I love that. Chills. Chills. Oh, good. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I think we, we work good in, like, the, uh, the day-to-day stuff and how we relate to each other and, like, uh, how we see the world, too. And we commit to a lot of, like, couples therapy yes. and, like... We've done like seen as sexual intuitive. We like really uh, make an effort to kind of like reinvest, explore, explore and reinvest, and reinvest back into our relationship. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's something we're learning. Yeah, that's what we're learning more and more about watching rom coms is how many of the rom com 
leads, you know, should go to therapy um, yeah. before they oh maybe um, jump into a relationship or if they, you know, do jump into that relationship with that person, like, you know, definitely Tom Hanks's character and you've got mail definitely needs to go to therapy and explore like what's going on with his relationship with his father and his grandfather, because like yeah. that is definitely going to affect his relationship with 100%. Meg Ryan. Um or Kathleen Kelly, like he should. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think there's like talking about like a, the trope of like a woman dating a man and the man, like going, like investing in himself and doing a career. It's like, I think there's this like weird idea that like, if you find the perfect partner, they'll fix the things about yourself that you're yes. not proud of, or that you think are flaws that could be improved. And it's like, nothing's ever gonna fix that like (laughs) I mean therapy will fix it but like you can't put that on somebody else to change and I feel like even in the we've been doing couples therapy for a couple of years and I feel like even still we're always finding out new things about ourselves in it so it's totally worth it because it's like there's no better place to learn about yourself and how you operate yeah Shout out for couples therapy. (laughs) I love that. And that's amazing and such a good example because we on this podcast focused on rom-coms. We all are most often talking about the lead up to a relationship and so rarely get to talk about post-relationship, right? So it's so amazing hearing your guys' amazing rom-com start. But then I think what we're learning specifically about grand gestures is that like in like the length of a healthy relationship, the grand gestures are more in the commitment and in the exploring and in like like doing the work. Um, sounds like good communication as well. Like, man, the people in rom-coms have no very poor communication. Well, I think because uh, The Graduate, Mike Nichols said if he, he wanted to make a sequel to The Graduate where uh, Elaine and uh, Ben are married and just have a horrible relationship because they don't talk to each other. Nothing. They had this <laughs> grand moment at the end of The Graduate that like brings them together. Yeah but they don't have anything to actually base a relationship on. Yeah. It's like a grand gesture just isn't enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Although I bought her a box of cookies for Valentine's and surprised her with it. (gasps) I was super stoked about it. (laughs) (laughs) With me, the grand gesture is like cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us on our show today and for sharing your rom-com moments with us. And now before we sign off, Rachel and Garrett, do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? I mean, important romance advice, go to couples therapy and Woo! individual therapy. Yeah. You need yes. both. <laughs> um, I guess uh, you can check me out on Smosh. You watch Eat It or Yeet It. You can go. That's a show I do on Smosh on YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, Instagram, gpalm79, the year I was born. And Instagr- and uh, Twitter, Garrett Palm. Cool. And <laughs> you can check me out at uh, rachelvanniscomedy.com. And that's kind of where all my written pieces and art are. Or you can check out my 
our Instagram. I update occasionally at at Vaness Expressions. Oh, well, awesome, awesome. You guys check out Rachel and Garrett on their social media. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every Thursday. Please subscribe and leave us a review. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.